Chapter 6, First Continental Congress. I was starting to feel a little cooped up staying in the home of Samuel Adams. One of the bad things about being a water molecule is that you can't always go just where you want, when you want. Some force in nature has to move you along. Even when you do move, it might not be the exact place where you are wanting to go. Still, I tried to be patient. I knew that soon Mr. Adams would be traveling to Philadelphia as one of the representatives of the Congress, and I certainly didn't want to miss that trip. When the time came to head out, I was lucky to get packed away in the water canteen. I did not want to get left behind, so it didn't matter that I was crammed so tightly in the dark space with all those other molecules. Eventually, I was sloshed out onto the side of the canteen when Mr. Adams took a drink. I had a much better view point that way. The trip to Philadelphia took many days. I could tell that Samuel Adams was growing tired because as the trip went on, he seemed to slouch over more and more. He spent most of the time in deep thought. I imagined that he was going over what he would say to the other people at the Congress. Some other delegates also came from Massachusetts. It was after dark when our carriage arrived in Philadelphia. I couldn't get a good view of the city, but hoped to in the morning. We went to the inn where we would be staying, and Samuel was soon fast asleep. The next morning he was up with the sunrise. I managed to join him on his shoulder once again. As we went out into the streets of the city, I was surprised at what I saw. The sun had just risen, but the streets were already filling up. Philadelphia was bustling with action. The largest city in the colonies, I had heard Samuel say. He must have been right, for it seemed to be much larger than Boston. We made our way to a meeting hall called Carpenter's Hall. Why, yes, uh, interrupting goat, you are right. Carpenter's Hall is a real place and is still standing in Philadelphia. And if you go to Philadelphia, you can tour inside and check it out. It's about a block or a block and a half away from Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell. Anyways, back to our story. When we made our way to a meeting hall called Carpenter's Hall. It was a plain two-story building made of red bricks. It had lots of windows. I wondered how much adventure could go on in this building. I was starting to get a little bit tired. If you remember, I was in Boston looking for adventure, and I wanted some action. The Boston Tea Party was pretty neat, and ever since then, though, it was just talking. Talk, talk, talk. It seemed like that was all these people did. Day in and day out, they talked and they argued about what should be done. Being the great adventurer that I am, all this talking was wearing me out. I was ready for some action. Let's quit talking and do something. That is what I would say if I were part of the meeting. I decided to stick around a little bit longer, but if things didn't pick up soon, I was going to have to move on. I could hear a new adventurer calling my name. It was already September. The weather was still warm and inside the building it wasn't any better. 12 colonies had a total of 56 representatives. 56! It made the temperature in the room go up, up, up. It became so warm, in fact, that I evaporated. No longer attached to Samuel Adams, I was free to float around the room. Boy, was I glad. 
I will spare you all the details of what went on. It was just more talking and more arguing. They talked about the intolerable, intolerable acts and what should be done about them. They talked about how to best defend the freedom of the colonies. Some of the men believed that the colonies should form a kind of government that would be separate from the king and would have to approve whatever measures the king took. Some of the men didn't want to accept any of the king's measures. Others wanted to reconcile with the king and stay completely under British authority. All those opinions made it hard to come up with any decisions. This went on for days and days and days. I just kept floating around the building waiting for something to happen and wondering how long it would take. Just when I was starting to get fed up, the strangest thing happened. I was looking out the window of Carpenter's Hall. One of the delegates was droning on about the need to stay loyal to Britain. It seemed like we had heard it all before at that point. Anyways, I was just gazing out the window in a daze. Suddenly, I heard the clickety-clickety-clackety-clackety of a galloping horse. A horse and a rider came speeding up toward the door. What could this be? Who could it be? What could he want? Whatever it was, it looked like adventure to me. The man came into the room with a document rolled up under his arm. The room fell quiet. And the leader of the Congress, a man named Peyton Randolph, stood up. My goodness, man, what is it? The man removed his hat. It was then that I knew he was Paul Revere. Although I didn't know much about him. He was from Boston, and I had seen him at a few meetings of the Sons of Liberty. I've come as fast as I could. I thought that the members of the First Continental Congress needed to hear this. It's a document written and adopted by the leaders of Suffolk County. I knew Suffolk County was in Massachusetts and included the city of Boston. I wondered what it was and what it said. How, what could have been so important that this man came all this way? Well then, said Mr. Randolph, I guess if you've come all that way, the Congress will hear what you have to say. Hear, hear, said the men. Paul unrolled the papers and began to read. It was a lot to take in, but I managed to catch bits and pieces. The men of Suffolk County believed that the intolerable acts were nothing more than a way to make slaves of the Americans. They believed that anyone hired by the king to work in the colony should resign. If they didn't, the colonists should force them from their posts. How would they do that, I wondered. Almost as if he knew what I was thinking, Paul said, This will be done by a town militia. Oh my, a town militia meant that the citizens would get together and form their own small armies. I knew that the king wouldn't like that one bit. The Suffolk Resolves, as the document was called, seemed to inspire the Congress. They cheered as it was being read, although I did notice a few who remained quiet. The quiet ones were mostly those who wanted to stay loyal to Britain and King George. After the noise died down, the Congress offered Paul some food. He ate and prepared to head back to Boston. Samuel Adams went over to talk with him, and I clung to his sleeve to get close enough to hear. That was a good thing you did, Paul, said Samuel. I think the resolves did just what I've been trying to do, stir the men to action. Paul smiled. I thought that it would. I came as quickly as I could make it. How long did it take you? asked Samuel. A week's time, replied Paul. A week? Why, that's a ten-day ride for any man. How'd you make it so fast? The urgency of the matter pushed me on. I think I'll take things a bit slower heading home. Both men laughed. Seven days... That had to be some kind of record. I like this Paul Revere man. He seemed to be less interested in talking. He was a man of action. As Paul rose from his seat to leave, I knew that I had to do something. The thought of spending any more time in Carpenter's Hall was too much. 
I had to go with Paul Revere. If there was adventure to be had, I knew this man would find it. As Paul prepared to leave, he shook Samuel's hand. Then, luckily for me, he brushed Samuel's arm as he walked out of the building. And I grabbed on. I didn't think he noticed me, thankfully. When he climbed onto his horse, I dropped into his saddlebag. I figured that was a safe place to be. I didn't want to risk being separated from Paul. I could also see what was going on through a small hole in the side of the back. It would be weeks before we received word about what the Congress had decided. They, too, had adopted the Suffolk Resolves. This showed showed that they had agreed with the men of Suffolk County and would take similar actions in their own colonies. The First Continental Congress also organized a boycott. No one in the colonies was to purchase anything made in Britain. This was the best way to punish the king for the intolerable acts. They hoped British merchants who would lose money from the boycott would pressure the king to reverse the acts. The British government would also lose money by not being able to collect the taxes on imported goods. I was glad to hear the Congress had made some decisions. However, I was also glad that I hadn't stayed with them. However, traveling with Paul Revere was a nice change of pace. I had a feeling, though, that things were going to get a lot more interesting. <laughs>